Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young, and we are inching ever closer to October down to officially the last week of the season. That's right, less than a week of games left. This is your last chance to make that big push for a fantasy title. So let's get right into the news because there's some interesting stuff going on. The Mets are calling up top prospect Francisco Alvarez, a catcher with an extremely bright future. It is not at all clear to me how they intend to use him. You would think that if they were ready to install him as their starting catcher, they would have already done that. And given how important this weekend of games are, boy, it's a it's a big moment to suddenly make that change. And I got to wonder if he isn't there to just pinch hit, maybe see if he can add value in the postseason, see what his role could be. But if he is playing, if he is starting, he belongs on your roster. Along the same lines, catcher prospect Bo Naylor from the Guardians has been added to their taxi squad and could be activated this weekend. While Alvarez has a stronger bat, Naylor put up a 2020 season, could be uniquely valuable as a fantasy catcher, but if he does get called up, he is likely just a third catcher getting some experience, playing a backup role, so not a lot of fantasy value this year. Speaking of catcher prospects, Yiner Diaz got only nine plate appearances, walking once, striking out twice, and driving a double in his brief cup of coffee with the Astros. His bat is intriguing, particularly for a catcher, but they are clearly not ready to turn things over to him. Now he's back in AAA. He was sent down Thursday. Maybe next year. We could, by the way, be on the verge of a big jump in the talent level of catcher if guys like Alvarez, Naylor, Diaz, Logan Ohapi, and others have anything to say about it. Nathan Uvalde returned for the Red Sox, making one of what should be two final starts for the year. Didn't last long, but gave up just two runs, only one of which was earned, over four and two-thirds, striking out three and walking none. He allowed five hits. Uvalde closes with Tampa. That's not a bad streaming option. Looking to next year, I suspect there will be drafters willing to overlook this year, and I'm not one of them. He's a late-round pick at best for me, and really more a guy I want to stream on occasion. I suspect that will make me the low man on him. Matt Manning scratched Wednesday and Thursday was placed on the 60-day IL due to forearm tightness. Don't jump to conclusions just because he was placed on the 60-day. The season's basically over anyway, and the 15 versus 60-day IL at this point is just a roster implications thing. Nothing to do with the severity of the injury. Kerry Carpenter, who I was targeting as a late-season power source, was also placed on the 10-day IL. If he has a role with the Tigers next year, I think it'll be an interesting option late in deeper drafts. Cody Clemens were called to replace Carpenter on the active roster. Brendan Rodgers back on the field Thursday as Connor Joe hit the IL. Joe had a pretty disappointing season. Thought he might increase his draft stock for 2023, but that didn't really happen. Rodgers, meanwhile, has been decent, though he definitely took a step back from his terrific 2021. Still put up okay numbers. On the plus side, he'll likely finish around 135 games played. Easily the most of his career actually doubled the rest of his career combined. Thursday, however, 0 for 4 with a strikeout. 
David Fletcher back for the Angels, unfortunately at the expense of Mickey Moniak, who is back on the IL. Moniak has shown some interesting signs, but just cannot stay on the field. Fletcher, meanwhile, has had a rough year, came back playing second base and hitting ninth, one for four on Thursday, and just doesn't offer much for fantasy managers. The Marlins turned over like 20% of their roster Thursday. Avisal Garcia, Joey Wendell, Tommy Nance back from the IL, Jesus Sanchez back from the minors, Garrett Cooper, Stephen Okert hit the IL, Luke Williams and Gerard Encarnacion option to the minors. Garcia announced his return with an eighth inning grand slam that turned a 2-0 deficit into a 4-2 win, and Nance claimed the win going one inning with a strikeout and hit. Wendell, like Garcia, was one for four, but his hit was a single. Garcia is a decent option for some late season offense if you need it. The rest of those guys are not that exciting to me. Spencer Howard activated from the 15-day IL, and the Rangers immediately optioned him to AAA. At the start of last season, Howard was a top prospect coming off a rough but brief debut and about to dominate AAA, but at this point, he has 111.2 Major League innings with a 7.09 ERA. He will get another shot, but what his role is remains to be determined. Honestly, he's not even a post-hype guy for me, barring some big news this offseason. DJ LeMahieu will be back with the Yankees today and should be rostered and started in most cases. He's a late boost to your average and runs if you've got room for him. Zach Plesak will rejoin the Guardians rotation tomorrow and is an interesting streaming option versus Kansas City. Just don't expect a ton of innings. Tony Gonsolin back with the Dodgers on Monday as they get ready for the postseason. A couple of new pieces of news from the games on Thursday. Willie Castro homered, doubled, and then pulled his hammy and left the Tigers game and their season. On Friday, he will be placed on the IL, which could end his time with the Tigers entirely. Rough end to a rough year for a guy who's had some power in his bat, but just hasn't been able to find much success. Trace Thompson, who's been crushing in a platoon role with the Dodgers, was scratched Thursday with a personal issue that will keep him away from the team for a day. I don't know if that means he's going to be back today or tomorrow, but he should be back soon, and if you can use him as a platoon bat, you should. He's been excellent. Top performers on Thursday, Javier Baez, 2 for 4 with 2 runs, 2 RBIs, and a 16th home run. He was a top performer on Thursday, but not for the season. His 91 WRC Plus would be his worst offensive year except for the 2020 shortened season. It's early yet, but that contract not looking great after one year. As for fantasy, I expect a big correction in his value next year. I thought he was overdrafted this year, and that will not be the case next. It'll be interesting to see how far he falls. There's a level at which he becomes a good buy low, but I'm guessing he doesn't fall that far. And I don't think he comes back with another 30-15 season or anything really even close to that. Someone will probably buy in on that possibility. Billy Hamilton came out as a pinch runner and stole two bases without getting a plate appearance. That's kind of crazy, but he now has 10 stolen bases, one caught stealing, and just 21 plate appearances on the year. If you are desperate for stolen bases and can afford to basically burn a roster spot on it, he could easily get a couple more before the season is over. He might do it without getting a single plate appearance, but if you've got a team where you're not going to move much in average, you don't need the home runs, runs, RBIs, you really need those stolen bases, there are worse ways to try to go get them. Wander Franco single, doubled, walked, scored a run, stole a couple bases. This is what I think peak fantasy value will look like for him. A lot of filling up box scores, not a ton of power or RBIs, though that, of course, could show up later. Remember when Taylor Ward looked like a star? Thursday, 3 for 3 with a walk and his 23rd home run. He was great through April and May and then really bad in June, July, and August, but has come alive again, and the total package is strong. His three good month bat pips are all over 360, and two of his three bad months were under 260. So there's a lot of variance in there. The real ward, probably something like his season-long line. 
the bats were out in Seattle, but the biggest was, well, was it Mitch Haniger? Was it Marcus Simeon? Maybe it was Jared Kelnick. All three of them went two for five. All three of them hit two home runs. Simeon and Haniger scored twice and drove in four, while Kelnick scored thrice and drove in three. I don't know. You want to tell me who was best? I have no idea. Kelnick's been legitimately excellent since his last call up a week ago, and I wouldn't hesitate to give him a shot if you need outfield help. If Haniger's available between his injuries and struggles, he may have been dropped. I would grab him too. Simeon won't be available. He had a rough start to the year, but it's been just terrific since then. Other homers around the game, not a ton of them on Thursday. Kyle Stowers hit his third, J.D. Martinez his 14th, Luis Renjifo his 16th, Max Stassi number 9, Will Smith hit his 24th, Sam Huff his 4th, Adelise Garcia got number 26, as did Nathaniel Lowe, Ford Proctor, an interesting prospect the Giants picked up from Tampa at the deadline, hit his first, while Sean Bouchard got his second. As for stolen bases, Matt Wallner stole his first, Manuel Margot swiped his 7th, John Birdie got his 38th, Trey Turner now has 26th, and Freddie Freeman has half that, he took his 13th. Abraham Toro got his second, Dylan Moore got his 20th, Cole Calhoun stole his third. Looking at the pitchers, into the eighth inning, Shohei Otani looked unstoppable having yet to give up a hit. He gave up a couple singles that frame, but still finished with eight shutout innings, 10 strikeouts, and just those two hits with one walk. He's going to throw a no-no someday. His stuff is just that nasty. And it's not quite what Shohei did, but Carlos Rodon also gave up just two hits, also didn't give up a run. Also struck out 10, and he didn't even allow a walk, but he only lasted six innings. His velocity was still down a tick, but with 18 whiffs and 36% CSW, seems like he's probably fine. He should get another go against San Diego before the season's over, and while that's not a great matchup, it's not enough to make me want to bench him. Eric Lauer, not a guy I've been in on, but he went five innings of one-hit shutout ball Thursday, walking none and striking out nine Marlins. He had 13 whiffs and a 34% CSW. He's also the featured pitcher in today's SP Roundup, so go check that out. But don't expect to see Nick Pollock just raving about him. There are some reasons for concern. Ranger Suarez with a solid start at Wrigley going six, striking out five, walking just one, and allowing two runs and seven hits. He finishes with the Astros. There's no need to hold on to him. Plus, he didn't even get the win on Thursday, as Javier Assad was excellent for the Cubbies. Went five shutout on five hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. He appears lined up to face the Reds in Great American Ballpark on the last day of the season. And while I don't hate the matchup, I imagine there are better streaming options for you that day. Cal Quantrill was good, but Jeffrey Springs better in what could be a preview of Game 3 of the AL wildcard round. Quantrill went 6, giving up a run on 3 hits with 4 strikeouts and no walks. Springs went 6, giving up no runs on 3 hits, no walks, and 5 strikeouts. Both got quality starts, neither got a win. Springs posted a 38% CSW in this one, by the way. He's been truly elite all year, even though he's been limited to just 132 innings so far. Lucas Giolito trying to close out the season strong. He lowered his ERA to an even 5.00, going five innings, giving up two runs on four hits with six strikeouts. He did walk three, so the start was fine, I guess. Problem is, I'm just not sure there's much more that he has to offer. His velocity is still way down, and unless we get news over the offseason to suggest he can push back to 93, 94, something like that, just don't see where the upside comes from. Only four innings for Braxton Garrett, but also only two runs. He did allow six hits. He struck out just two. He had just six whiffs and a 25% CSW, so not really his best stuff, but did manage a good result. Not great, but I like what I'm seeing from Garrett overall. The big question for him is whether he has a role in that rotation next year. It is a deep rotation. Eduardo Rodriguez hasn't lived up to expectations in Detroit, and this one was 
weird, I guess. Six and two-thirds shutout, but five hits and four walks with just three strikeouts. So he helped your ERA. He got you a win and a quality start, but not a good whip, not very many strikeouts. And I have a hard time being encouraged by a guy who walked more batters than he K'd. Louis Varland has some folks around the Twins excited, but he was just okay on Thursday. Two runs, three hits, two walks over five, striking out three. Nothing here was bad, but nothing here was good. And I think he's more exciting for the Twins than he is for fantasy. Openers galore in SoCal as Bruzdar Gratterall opened for the Dodgers and Stephen Wilson opened for the Padres. Andrew Haney followed for LA, did his thing. Six strikeouts and a walk over four shutout, allowed three hits. While Sean Manaya followed with one of his best appearances, four innings, one run, two hits, three strikeouts, and no walks. Manaya's a guy I'm really intrigued with for 2023. This year's obviously been awful, but he is capable of being much better than he's pitched. If he has a good, strong offseason, I don't know. Maybe there's something to buy late there, a little bit of a buy low. Looking at the bullpens, the White Sox spent an interesting day. They got a hold, then they blew a save, then they allowed their team to retake the lead, which would eventually get them a win. Then they got a hold and finally got a save. Ronaldo Lopez got the win. Liam Hendricks tossed the strong ninth, two strikeouts, one walk. That got him his 34th save on the year. With the game tied at three in the eighth, the Orioles turned to Dylan Tate to keep things even, and he gave up the home run to J.D. Martinez that made it five to three. Two runs, one hit, two walks in an inning, taking his fourth loss. Caleb Ort came on for Boston after that and got his first save. Good luck predicting who's going to get the ninth inning next for Boston, by the way. Keegan Thompson pitching from the pen for the Cubs. That allowed him to get a save on Thursday. He went three innings, striking out three, walking two, and allowing one hit without a run. That was his first save. I would bet on him getting one more three-ish inning relief appearance this year before shutting it down to get ready for 2023. I would also bet that he's on a handful of my teams next year. I think he's going to be a nice late starting pitching option. After a couple days of deep bullpen work, the Rays tried to get two innings out of Sean Armstrong, and he blew a save in the eighth, then took the loss. Gave up two runs on three hits and a walk with two strikeouts. It was a late RBI infield single from Oscar Gonzalez that gave the Guardians the lead and gave Trevor Steffen a chance to earn his third save. He nearly blew it. He walked the bases loaded around a couple strikeouts and then eventually got a pop out to end it. For a guy who just 15 walks all year, I think this is just an outlier for Stefan. Pretty surprising turn of events, to be honest. He's still a top setup guy for Cleveland and can be used for holds and rates. Dylan Floro got his ninth save, walked one, struck out one. Not your standard elite shutdown closer, but he's getting saves, and if you need them, go get him. Ryan Tapera got his fifth save, but only after Aaron Loop started the ninth by allowing two runs on a hit and a walk to create the save situation. Tapera came on with two out and made three pitches to get that save. He's probably the best bet for saves in that pen right now. Craig Kimbrell got the sixth for the Dodgers and gave up a hit but no runs. That got him his second hold. And then after Caleb Ferguson, Chris Martin, and Alex Vesia all also got holds, David Price took the ninth and despite a walk, got his second save. When Kimbrell lost the job, I bet on Evan Phillips and clearly lost. The last five Dodger saves, dating back to the last Kimbrell save, have been Price, Tommy Canely, Andre Jackson, Martin, and Justin Broyle. Who gets the shot if there is one tomorrow? I have no idea. Probably Phillips now that I've bailed on him. It took 11 innings and required a lot of relievers for the Mariners to win. Paul Sewald and Andres Munoz, who are usually reliable, actually struggled in this one, but they got good efforts from five others, including Chris Flexen, who got his eighth win on the year. Jose Leclerc blew the save for the Rangers, so it's hard to blame a guy for allowing the extra inning man on second to score. The loss went to John King, who gave up two runs, including one unearned run, on three hits without getting an out. Weird ninth for the Giants. 
They were up 6-0 and let Jarrell Cotton keep going. He'd already pitched the 7th and 8th without incident. But he gave up two singles, got a couple of outs, allowing a run to score on a sack fly before he gave way to John Brebbia, who immediately gave up a home run literally on his first pitch. That put another run on Cotton and put one on himself. Then he gave up a single and a triple, and with the score suddenly 6-4 to in the tying run at the plate, Giants made another change and brought on closer Camilo Duvall. He faced Ezekiel Tovar, got a ground out for out number 27 and save number 27. With that, let's take a quick break before we turn our attention to today's action. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. First thing we want to do is look at Friday's weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. Well, last Friday of the Major League Baseball season, we have a couple of games to watch here. They've moved up uh, or rescheduled uh, the Phillies at the National, make it a doubleheader. And you know what? This may not work out in their favor because that second game, there's going to be some rain bearing down on them. Hopefully they're able to get that in, but wouldn't be shocked by a delay or even if the rain is in there not too long after first pitch. And the other game, of course, we're watching is the the Mets at the Braves. Uh, very important series. But it does look like the rain is going to stay east of there. So they have made a wise decision and not really changed too much around. And you know what? That's probably not going to be a bad idea. But besides that, we're good to go everywhere else. So good luck, all. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for streamers, I, I guess my first question is if Brady Singer is still available. Well. If he is, why? He shouldn't be. But in some places he is, and Cleveland is still running out sort of partial lineups as they get ready for the postseason. So I think he's a really good option. And actually, if he's not available, Aaron Savali, who's going against him, is also a good choice. As for hitters, Twins have not done a ton lately, but Tyler Alexander could be in for a rough day against them. I also like the Angels to do some damage against Glenn Otto, and not just Trout and Otani, who you can always bank on, but Ward, Renhifo, and others could be solid as well. With that, hope you are ready for this day of games as there are some fun matchups. DeGrom and Freed with a division on the line. Alcantara and Burns with the Brewers trying to claw their way into the postseason. Rasmussen and Framber Valdez with the Rays needing a win to clinch a wildcard spot. Just a lot of great stuff to watch. So settle in for all that and make sure you join us back here tomorrow for a recap on what happened and a look at what's next. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.